Uh, yes, as Paul said, I'm speaking on uh, the topic, God is awesome. And I'll tell you, I've been more excited about uh, getting to share this message with you than I have been about any other message I've given uh, thus far. I'm really stoked about this, and uh, I just really want to open up in a word of prayer uh, and asking God to really uh, help me communicate clearly with you all tonight. Dear Lord, I, uh, I pray that you'd please uh, really speak through me tonight, God. Uh, I know that you are an awesome God, and I, and I know that uh, you are so huge and powerful and great, and, and I really uh, want to be used by you and everybody's lives here tonight to, to help them see uh, even more clearly um, how awesome you are and, and what that means for us and how that can change our lives. I praise things in Christ's name. Amen. So I was once speaking to an individual. It was an older woman, and I would say she was a little more formal of an individual. Uh, so it's the kind of person you don't address by their first name. Uh, you know, you call them Mrs. something or, you know, Mr. something if it was a man. And as I was speaking to them, they had mentioned that they're going to do something helpful to me. And without thinking, I said, wow, that would be awesome. And... Uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty normal thing for me to say. I, I, I use that phrase regularly, at least a couple times a day, probably. Wow, that's awesome. That would be awesome. Um, and I expected to get the reply, oh, thank you, dear. That's, I wouldn't say that, but that's what they would have said. And uh, that's not what they said back to me. Uh, to my surprise, uh, this was the response I received. No, dear. Only the Lord is awesome. I don't know if you've ever experienced something uh, I categorize. It's called insta-sweat. <laughs> Sweat, you're chill, everything's fine, and then, bam, you got sweat down to your waistband, all right? That's what happened to me in that moment, okay? Um, it was a little uncomfortable of a social circumstance for me. Uh, now, you might not agree with this person's, uh, you know, opinion of the use of the word awesome, but I will tell you what. That made me think hard about my use of the word awesome and specifically in how I use it in talking about God. It made me really think about, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't started saying awesome less often, but what I have done is I actually think about it in the context of describing God. That's what it really did for me. It really made me think about what, what does that mean about God? What does it mean that God is awesome? And so that's what I'm here to talk to you tonight about. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and the awesome God. Such a cool verse. Uh, in this verse, verse, the word awesome, it literally means to stand in awe of, to fear, reverence, honor, and respect, to cause astonishment. God is is awesome. Like, that is a fact. Uh, and that's really, that's really my goal tonight, is that we would all walk out of this room with a clear perspective of just how awesome God is. I'm going to be just addressing two points of God's awesomeness, all right? There's a lot more than that, but I'm just going to focus in on two. And the first is God is brilliant. So your first fill in the blank there, God is brilliant. And this is so easily overlooked, we're on a university, you know, we're all focusing our studies in a specific field and trying to gain understanding in that. And the fact of the matter is that God 
knows more about whatever your specific field of study is than anybody ever has or ever will understand. He understands it completely. It's just an interesting idea. Um, when I was at Chico State, and I'm alumni now, but when I was at Chico State, I had the pleasure of taking several science classes. And whether or not you enjoy science classes, uh, what I'm about to tell you should help you enjoy it more. So next time you're sitting in a science lecture, just think about this fact. Science is discovering how brilliant God is. Science is discovering how brilliant God is because he doesn't just understand all of it fully. You know, when they tell me concepts, like I got like some and some just bounced off, but God doesn't just understand it fully. He actually designed it. He actually designed it and created it. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. So I'm going to show you a video clip, and it's going to be sharing. It's from a video about a book called Case for Your Creator. And this, what this video talks about is how brilliantly God created physics in the universe to specifically be able to sustain life. So let's go ahead and, and watch the video. Since the beginning of time, all the matter in the universe has been governed by precisely balanced laws and constants. During an interview with Robin Collins, a philosopher with degrees in mathematics and physics, Strobel learned how these laws offer compelling evidence for a creator and conspire to make the universe habitable for life. The laws of physics are balanced on a razor's edge for life to occur. For example, if you didn't have something like gravity that pulled matter together, you would never get planets, you wouldn't get stars, you wouldn't get any complex organisms. If you didn't have the strong nuclear force, there would be nothing to hold protons and neutrons together in the nucleus. And so you wouldn't have any atoms, so no chemistry. If you didn't have the electromagnetic force, you would have no bonding between chemicals. You'd have no light, and the list goes on. So you need all these sorts of fundamental principles have to be in place in order for life to occur. Wipe out one of those principles, wipe out one of those laws, no life. Strobel learned that life also hinges on the precise strengths and relative values of many different physical constants. One example of this fine tuning is the force of gravity. Imagine a ruler divided up into one-inch increments and then stretched across the entire universe, a distance of some 14 billion light years. For the purposes of illustration, the ruler represents the possible range for gravity. In other words, the setting for the strength of gravity could have been anywhere along the ruler, but it just happens to be situated in exactly the right place so that life is possible. Now, if you were to change the force of gravity by moving the setting just one inch compared to the entire width of the universe, the effect on life would be catastrophic. No large-scale life forms could exist. Anything that was more than the size of a pea would be completely crushed. So you might be able to get life of a very, very primitive sort, such as bacteria, but you could never get conscious observers.
The strength of gravity is just one of at least 30 separate parameters that must be finely tuned to produce a life-sustaining universe. Another example is the cosmological constant. The cosmological constant describes the expansion speed of space in the universe. If space expands too quickly, then the universe will spread out so quickly that material objects can't form. So you can't get stars and galaxies and planets and the types of things that we, of course, take for granted in our universe. Physicists have determined that the cosmological constant is fine-tuned to one part in a hundred million billion 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 billion. Such precision has been compared to traveling hundreds of miles into space, then throwing a dart at the Earth and hitting a bullseye measuring one trillionth of a trillionth of an inch in diameter, an area less than the width of a single atom. Just consider those two parameters, gravity and the cosmological constant. Their level of fine-tuning is to a precision of one part in a hundred million trillion, 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 trillion. I mean, that's like one atom in the entire known universe. This fine-tuning is also evident at the atomic level. The strong nuclear force binds atoms together. If the strength of this force were to decrease by one part in 10,000 billion, 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 the only element left in the universe would be hydrogen. Again, chemical life would not be possible. The fine-tuning of the laws and forces of physics is so precise that few theorists are comfortable invoking mere chance as an explanation, unless our universe is not the only roll of the dice. If the universe looks like it's fine-tuned for complex life, maybe there's a fine-tuner. Maybe it was fine-tuned for life. And this has certain unsavory theological implications. And so it's not surprising that those committed to a, a fundamentally materialistic view of reality uh, would try to find an escape hatch. And the most popular escape hatch for this theological implication of fine-tuning is this idea of multiple universes. As its name suggests, the theory of multiple universes proposes that our universe is not alone. Instead, it is part of a vast ensemble of universes, each with a different set of laws and constants. If there's only one universe, then the conclusion that the universe looks fine-tuned because it is fine-tuned is inescapable. But if our universe is just one of a vast set, then you seem to have more resources to play with. Chance gets a new lease on life. I sometimes try to imagine what physicists have in mind that postulate this idea of multiple universes. I mean, what would the generator look like that creates them? Maybe it's like a giant monolith that has dozens of different dials, each of which has to be set to the right physical constant. If we think of these parameters as dials, each of the dials is different. So if you produce enough universes with enough different dial settings, eventually, just by chance, you get one just right. So you might have to produce a trillion, 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 trillion universes. But eventually, if you have a generator that's just spitting out just an enormous number of them, then it gets the right dial setting. And then, by just chance, you get conditions right for life. So it's a huge cosmic lottery. That's the idea. It's an interesting idea. I mean, there's really only one problem with it. 
There's no independent evidence that it's true. Besides, it really just pushes the question back a step because we could still ask who built the generator. The suggestion of multiple universes strikes me as a desperate attempt to explain away the obvious, which is that the universe is finely tuned by an intelligence to sustain complex life. An intelligence that must be beyond the constraints of time and space. So in preparing for uh, this message, I read several different articles um, written by really renowned scientists and physicists and even watched a couple of different videos uh, specifically about like the cosmological constant and about this idea of uh, multiple universes. And I, I, I watched and I listened to these very, very smart people attempting to explain how um, impossible the odds are for our universe to exist so exactly to sustain life uh, with this theory of the multiverse, all right? It was interesting, honestly, I think maybe more on a psychological uh, level than, than on a scientific level for me. Uh, I've had people tell me that my belief in God is a crutch. Uh, it's a crutch that people use for, who can't really deal with life. You know, I've had, I had uh, classmates and even some uh, teachers telling me that, that it's just a crutch that people use who can't deal psychologically with, with the heaviness of life. But while I was watching these videos, my main thought that went through my head was, this highly unscientific belief in a multiverse is just a crutch people use to understand uh, the evidence for how finely tuned our universe is and can't humble themselves to put their faith in God. Um, that's all I just, I watched really, really famous people um, trying to explain this concept and that that's what they believed in. Uh, it just, um, there was no logical line to it or evidence. Here's uh, what you can really take away from this. If I've lost you a little bit here, I know he threw out some ridiculous numbers. Like I actually tried to count the zeros on that and I couldn't. I don't know if I can count that high. It was crazy. But, so if you got lost there, all right, come back to me now. And this is the point I really want you to, want you to get is, is to fill in the blank there. Be confident of your faith in God. That's the blank there. Be confident of your faith in God. It is the most logical conclusion when looking at the real physics of the universe. And to clarify on that video, the first time I saw it, I thought it was talking about uh, a machine pumping out galaxies. It is not, that's not the theory. It's not pumping out galaxies, it's pumping out realities. That's what it's talking about in the universe. It's talking about different realities. Okay, that's the theory. That's the only theory they can come up with to try to explain how exactly fine-tuned our universe is. And here's the truth is everybody puts their faith in something. That's just a fact. The people I was watching, they were putting their faith in this theory of a multiverse, which has zero evidence. And as far as we understand, we'll never have any evidence there's zero way to test that theory right now. And those scientists and physicists I was, I was reading uh, from are basing, they're banking their eternity on this un, currently unprovable theory. Uh, so that's the other application of this point is if you do not currently uh, put your faith in God, then my, my challenge to you is really do some unbiased research uh, and then put your faith in what has the most evidence, because I'm convinced that you will put your faith in God. I do not have enough faith to believe in a multiverse, okay? This is not Marvel, uh, this, is, this is real life, and uh, there is no multiverse. There's no proof for it, uh, and there's no way to test a 
a theory someone threw out there at one point. So that's the first section I'm talking about. The next one I'm moving on to is God is great. God is great. And I'm even gonna, I'm gonna break this down into two main points here. And the first is he is powerful. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse three, it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. So does anybody in the room know what the speed of light is? Correct. It is 186,000 miles, not per hour, like we said, per second, okay? And I don't, I don't really know really how to like comprehend that unit of measurement, miles per second. Like that's a weird idea. To travel a single mile, just one mile in a second, you have to be traveling 3,600 miles an hour, okay? That means that light travels at 671 million miles an hour. That's a huge, that's a huge number. To try to help, help us grasp that, because that's so beyond our, our uh, capability to understand or see, is, uh, if you'll bear with me just a second, ready? Imagine I just ran out of this room, ran around the entire earth, and then back here in one second, okay? Can you imagine that? Put on your, your thinking caps, okay? Light lapped me six times. <laughs> that is how fast light travels, okay? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. That is powerful, okay? That is insanely powerful. Just, he literally spoke it into existence. Let there be light, boom. 186 million or oh, 1,000 miles a second came rushing out of God's mouth, okay? Boom, there was light. That's powerful. And it's hard to talk about light without talking about the sun, all right? So I have a, I have a picture of the sun here, okay? That's intense, Okay, I tried to find an intense picture. I think I did a good job. That is, that is a picture of the actual sun, and it is intense. The sun is a raging ball of fire. It's 10,000 degrees on the surface, okay? It is like uh, millions of nuclear bombs going off constantly. Uh, scientists say it would take the gross national product of the USA 7 million years for a power company to power the sun for one second. That is crazy. And God created it. God didn't just think of it. God, God actually created the sun. It's, the sun is a hundred times the diameter of earth. I just, I still think that's crazy. That's a hard thing for me to, to grasp. If you've ever flown like across like oceans, you understand like that takes forever. Like, and that's, you're not even going around the whole earth, okay? The sun is a hundred times the diameter of Earth. It's huge and it is powerful and it is constantly going. It never takes a break. It is constantly off-putting that kind of energy. That is wild. It take a very powerful God to create the sun. And the sun is one star out of billions of stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. That is insane. 
So with that, on to the next point, he is big. He is powerful and he is big. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. So let's go to the next picture here. All right, so I don't know how well you can see it, all right? Uh, but this is a picture. I include this picture because it's super cool. It was just released by NASA on November 29th. And in this picture, those aren't actually stars that we're looking at. Each one of those is a galaxy. In this one picture alone, it's, it's several pictures stitched together, but this one image alone, there are over 1,000 galaxies in that picture. And you might be thinking, like, why are they all out there? You know, like, what's going on? Like, they're just, like, since before you were born, they've just been hanging out. Like, that's it. That's what you're, you're looking at. That's what they're doing. It's like, what is going on? Like, what are they doing? Like, they're crazy far. I can't even try to explain to you how far away. They're insanely far away from us, okay? It's like, why are they there? Well, let's go back to the verse. The heavens declare the glory of God. That is so awesome. There's no question as to why they're there. They're there declaring the glory of God. So now we were talking about the speed of light, uh, and that's important because to try to grasp how big God is, a, a, a really good idea is to try to grasp how big the known universe is. And it's called the known universe. This is hilarious. We, the, people call it the known universe because w- what we're talking about is how much of the universe we know. So when they, when, when they talk about the known universe, what they're saying is this is as far as the biggest telescope we've created can see. There is stuff beyond this because every time we build a bigger telescope, we find more. So we don't have no idea how big the universe is. But in the known universe, um, you can't just use a ruler to plot your way around. All right, you can imagine like pulling on like, you know, a yardstick even. Bigger than a ruler. Like that's not going to work. That's not going to get you very far. So so like astrophysicists and people, they they use a unit of measurement called a light year. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's how far a beam of light would travel in a year uninterrupted. So light going 186,000 miles a second, constantly, uninterrupted, for an entire year, travels 5.88 trillion miles. Not millions and not billions. 5.88 trillion miles. And that is their yardstick they use to attempt to plot. There's actually a bigger unit of measurement because that's not big enough, but I thought that was... Too much, all right. I'm just going to stick with the light here. It's, it's too insane to try to comprehend anyways. And that's what we have to use to try, to try to understand and plot out the universe that God has created. And uh, like I mentioned before, we live in our local area is the Milky Way galaxy uh, in the known universe. And in our neighborhood, we have, I like calling it a neighborhood, in our neighborhood, our neighborhood, by the way, is, see, I believe it's a hundred thousand light years across. And it has billions of stars, as I mentioned before. Just threw that out there real casually. Uh, and let's look at an image of the Milky Way here. So here it is. So if you came tonight thinking, oh, yeah, I live in the Milky Way galaxy, that's cool. Like, how some galaxy pride people? <laughs> like... <laughs> That's legit. Like, that's where we live. That's where you live. It's cool, okay? 
Like, gonna get like Team Milky Way shirts. Like, it's sick. It's cool. That's where, that's our universe. Like, we claim that. That's us. So obviously, you know, we got like the sun, and then like our planets are somewhere out there. No, I didn't see anybody. No, no, definitely. Like, we do not want to be at the center of that. Okay, like we would be demolished immediately. That is not the sun in the middle. Um, do you want to know where we live in the Milky Way galaxy? Let's go to the next picture. There. That's actually not where we live. You see, it says sun. That's our entire solar system. Our entire solar system is right there. And you might be thinking, oh, I think I could see it if I look real close. You can't. You can't. You cannot see it. Do you want to know why? Because if the Milky Way galaxy were the size of all of North America, our entire solar system, so our sun, 100 times the diameter of Earth, all, you know, us, the seven other planets, and that, like, lame blob of mass called Pluto, that, like, who cares about that guy anymore, right? Gosh, Pluto. <sighs> um, all of us, okay, that's the size of North America. Our entire solar system is a quarter. Straight up. That is the actual comparable dimensions. So that's why you can't make out our entire solar system, because compared to our entire galaxy we live in, uh, our solar system is the size of a quarter in North America. And this is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. That, yeah, we, we serve a big God. Okay, he created all of it. That is just wild. And like I said, it's fascinating that our sun is not very impressive. Uh, well, the impressive thing about our sun is that we are 93 million miles away from it. Again, like throwing out these numbers like they're no big deal. It's just sitting out there 93 million miles away. And yet another uh, fine-tuning element of our, just our solar system is that we are just the right distance away from the sun in order for our planet to be able to sustain life as it does. It's very convenient how all these things fell in place. I love it. Very thankful for it. So now that we have a more accurate picture of who we are and where we're at in, in the galaxy, let's walk through it here. So we're here in this room, in this building, on the campus of Chico State, which is in the city of Chico, which is in the county of Butte, in the state of California, in the country of the United States of America, which is in the northern, uh, North America, which is in the northern half of the world, the northern hemisphere. And our world is in our solar system, which is the uh, size of a quarter in our Milky Way galaxy, which is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. You know what? I really think David uh, in the Bible, uh, I really think he knew what he was talking about when he wrote this verse. He said, what is man that you are mindful of him who's speaking to God? He said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Do you feel small? Like, if so, good. That's, that's accurate. We think of ourselves as way too big. We are tiny. We are infinitesimal, okay? And God is awesome. God is so awesome. And when we miss this, we don't have an accurate view of reality. We just don't. We don't see life from an accurate view. Um, because... As tiny as we are, this is why it's so important to understand how tiny we are, because 
as tiny as we are, we are known and prized by a majestic God that created everything. That's why it's so important to understand how small we are and how big God's creation is because God was big enough to create all of it. He's created more than we have can be capable of seeing currently and possibly will ever be able to build a big enough telescope to see. Uh, we don't know if we'll ever be able to see the end of the universe. God created all of it and he, we are his prized creation, okay? That's why it's important. If you've ever felt insignificant in your life, that is inaccurate. Like you are significant because of how God views you. And you will never be insignificant because of how God views you. So you ever feel insignificant, that is just not true. That is also not an accurate view of reality because the reality is God is huge, uh, he is awesome, and he cares about you. And that's crazy. That's another part of why God's awesome, right? God's so awesome. He's so big. He creates, he's created everything. How complex, how, how massive it is, how powerful uh, all these things he's created has been. And he actually cares about you. I, I'm not, I, I actually gave a talk a, a few uh, weeks ago or months ago about God as personal. I talked about this more in depth, is that that's actually an element of God's awesomeness is how much he cares about you. So in conclusion, uh, I really want to wrap up with some application points uh, from all of this. <coughs> and, and the first one is that because of who our mighty God is, I should trust him. <laughs> you know, like I, I should trust God. What I'm about to show you is the very last image taken by the spacecraft Voyager, um, which was launched in the 70s, the 70s or 80s. Uh, and it was 3.7, this is crazy, 3.7 billion miles away from Earth. When it took this picture, it was the very last picture they were capable of having it take. And so, the, you know, they, they had been taking pictures out of other planets and stuff, and they, they told it, turn around and, and take a picture back at us, back at Earth. And this is the picture that came back. You're like, dang, like that picture stinks, right? Like it's a bad picture. Like, no, it, it's, uh, it's actually not, it's actually a an extremely famous picture. And it's because, can you see in the right, on the right side, there's that beam of light there. It's just a glare uh, from the, the light of the sun hitting uh, the spacecraft. But it just happened to be kind of highlighted in that light. There's a speck of dust. Can you see it? I can see it from where I'm at. There's a speck of dust uh, right in that beam. We can go to another picture. And it's interesting because, can you see it now kind of? <laughs> That's us. That's, that's the entire earth is that speck of dust. That was the picture. That was the last picture they were able to get from the spacecraft Voyager. And this, it's, this picture is called the pale blue dot. Speaking about earth, the pale blue dot. And Carl Sagan, um, you've probably heard of him before. Uh, he's a really, really famous scientist um, and physicist. And he, uh, he had wrote a whole book about this, uh, this picture. But this is a quote that he had. Uh, his commentary on this picture, and he said, that's here, that's home, that's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you knew, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. 
This came from a man who worshiped the creation over the creator. Okay, he thought the belief in God was pretty bogus. Um, he had a few different interesting things to say, but his general wrap-up was that, like what I said earlier, he had the view that belief in God was just a crutch. And if he could have such an accurate perspective of our role and how big the universe is, how much more important is it for us to have an accurate perspective uh, of us compared to the God who created the entire universe? How much bigger is God than just the universe if he was capable of creating it? So we can trust and surrender to God who is upholding the universe. And if God can uphold the universe, like can't he uphold you too? Now, I think when we uh, get overcome by our problems and our troubles uh, in life, I think we make one of two mistakes or maybe both. Uh, We either don't understand how big God is or we doubt his personal care for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 addresses the second point. It says, uh, cast all anxieties on him because he cares for you. The same God who created everything I've been talking about cares about you. He could call you out by name. He come here in this room right now and he could call you by name. He could call you by name. He call you by name. He knows you personally. Same God created all of it. It is wild. You can trust him. And the second point here, the second application is surrender wholly to him. Make no mistake, this is God's universe, not ours. Okay? Like our planet does not revolve around us. Our solar system doesn't revolve around us. Our galaxy does not revolve around us. Uh, We are on that pale blue dot. And so my question is, if God is is so big and so vast and so uh, trustworthy, like why aren't you fully committed to him? What is holding you back? And I really want you to think about that. What is holding you back from fully committing, being fully surrendered to God? He's so big, so powerful, and so trustworthy, and so cares about you personally. Uh, what is holding you back? And I really encourage you to evaluate if that's a legitimate reason uh, to, hold, to hold you back. Um, whether or not you, you currently believe in God, whatever it is that's holding you back. Like I said, in Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And in that same chapter, we find this passage. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So like I said before, David got it. He knew how big and awesome God was. He trusted God and he strived to live his life, surrendered to God because he knew that was what was going to produce the best possible life. And the number one way I've found to grow in my trust of and surrender to God is application point number three. And it is pursue him through his word. Pursue him through his word. So still, we're still in this uh, chapter 19 in the book of Psalm. And there's a stretch of verses that talks all about God's word. I'm not going to read them all to you. I'm just going to pick, I just picked one to read out to you. But I'd encourage you, if you're interested, go read Psalm 19 later. It's a really awesome chapter. Um, but verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. So let the beauty of God's creation lead you to the beauty of his word. You really see that picture between, for what happened uh, to David in the Bible here. He writes about how, how 
grand God is and how great he is in creating all the stars and heavens, how they, they glorify him. In that same chapter, he talks about how great God's word is. The same God that created the entire universe gave us his word to be our guide through life. That is so awesome. And again, that's a demonstration of his personal care for us. In that chapter, David writes, uh, he says that God's word uh, is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, firm, righteous, more precious than gold, and sweeter than honey. Uh, so if you've been reading the Bible and it's just kind of been dull or, or like a routine or something you just kind of feel like you have to do, I really want to challenge you to think of who's God, whose word you're reading. You know, really try to shift your perspective there. Like whose word are you reading? It is the God that created the sun. Just think about like one point. The God who created the sun, this giant raging ball of fire that we couldn't even imagine uh, the capability of creating such a thing. He created the whole thing uh, and billions and trillions of stars like it. Okay, that's whose word you're reading. And uh, if you have never read the Bible or, or you it's kind of off-putting to you or you've, you've never tried it or you've tried it and you didn't think it really didn't work for you, uh, I'd really encourage you uh, to try it again with this perspective and to contemplate, and this is a real challenge to you, to contemplate whose word it is that you're neglecting. It is the God that created everything, the entire universe and you as well. So I wanted to leave us on this very practical note um, because all the grand ideas and the big numbers and the big pictures I tried to, to communicate to you about God's awesomeness um, are all true. Uh, and, but I did not want to just leave you with your head spinning about all of those things. I really want to leave you with a very practical note of how you can actually personally get to know God better. Whether you currently are trying to do that or not, uh, you can try to get to know God better through his word. That is a huge gift he's given to us. And if you're curious about how to do that, write that on your, on your communication card you're going to fill out in just a minute. Man, someone would love to, to get together with you and talk to you about how to do that. I know when I first tried it, it was pretty difficult for me uh, and it was confusing. I didn't understand it. I'm not that good of a reader anyways. So it was just difficult in general. So, and if you are already trying to, I challenge you uh, to really think about whose God it is, you, whose word it is you're reading. Like I've been doing that since I've been preparing for this message, and it's really shifted my perspective, honestly, uh, uh, when I'm spending time reading God's Word. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your awesomeness. I thank you so much for just how huge and powerful and grand you are and the way you created uh, all of existence to demonstrate that so that we could have an idea of how big you are. And I thank you for your personal care for us and, and that you cared enough about us to give us your word to help us walk through life uh, without, uh, without just making unnecessary mistakes and, and experiencing unnecessary hurts. I pray that you'd please help us all to seek you through your word and that you'd bless our lives through it. I pray these things in Christ's name, amen.